Good morning or afternoon, depending on when you're listening. Uh, welcome to Talk HR UK. I'm Simon Gear, and when I'm not helping HR directors, MDs, and CEOs find the best HR talent and recruit the best HR talent in the southeast, I'm doing this, which is wonderful. I'm, I'm talking to HR leaders about HR matters that have been really key, particularly this year and over the last five years, really. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Steph South from HSBC. Good morning, Steph. Morning, Simon. Hello there. Uh, so, Steph, you've been with HSBC for four years. You were at Barclays previously. And today we wanted to cover one of your, your areas of expertise within HR. Care. But um, today I wanted to cover agile HR with you, which I know is one of your passions and one of your areas of expertise as a business partner. So um, thank you for your time. Basically, talk us through your role at HSBC and, and how Agile has really been a part of this. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for inviting me to talk to you today. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, I joined HSBC just over four years ago now as a HR business partner for technology. I'd had some exposure to Agile in my previous business partnering role, although the timing of my maternity leave at that time did sadly take me away from most of it. Um, and when I was ready to come back to work, I was already talking to HSBC and um, it sounded like I'd have a great opportunity to get involved from the beginning in their agile and DevOps IT transformation and on a bigger scale as well. So who doesn't want that? So uh, since the challenge ahead, that was fantastic. I had no more maternity leaves planned, so decided to join. Now, as a HR business partner, you do want to get close to and understand your business, of course, as, as, as you would know. And so in addition to understanding the strategy, the why for the transformation, the levers, et cetera, any of the organization design elements, I also wanted to immerse myself in Agile and DevOps themselves because I could see that this wasn't just something for IT and it could come out into other areas of business. And I was so curious about it. So really wanted to get myself immersed into those topics. When I joined, I had a like-minded colleague also here called Tanya Spencer, who has um, since left about a year ago. And it was fantastic to have someone there who was of the same mind. Also, um, you know, able to see the potential of um, Agile coming out into other areas of the business as well. Now, I'm not saying that I was prophetic in this at all. It's just that I just happened to be partnered with technology and therefore had the right exposure. If I was in a different client group, it could have been, could have been different. So just really, really lucky to have been partnered with technology, hence having this curiosity to, um, to get started with this. Now, we had a book club at that time and Tanya recommended a book called Agile People by Pia Maria Thorin to our book club. It was just before Christmas and my Christmas holiday in Dubai, I spent reading that book. It was a great book. And we all came back from the Christmas holidays into book club, really enthusiastic, really raring to go and, and thinking about how we could start applying some of these mindsets into our own way of working. I also found that Pia Maria was running a course in Sweden, a two-day course, and I thought, wow, yes, I'm just going to go off and do that course. And Tanya came with me, as did a couple of the HR consultants in our IT HR team at the time. We had a fantastic two days, networking, learning. There were really cool companies there like Spotify, ING, all these Dutch banks, you know, really cool companies. Um, to learn from so really fantastic and we thought oh it'd be so amazing if if other colleagues across HR at HSBC could also experience this course but of course not everyone could just go off to Sweden for two days doing a course 
And as part of my development, I wanted to do more public speaking anyway. So we thought, Tanya and I, let's just develop our own workshop. We can do this internally, both of our developments and interests. So, so we did. So we developed, um, we developed a number of iterations of the course and word of mouth got out. One of our jokes was that our waitlist had a waitlist and I've delivered these sessions in various locations. And it's been really fantastic to, to really create a movement and a mindset with your colleagues. Uh, we've used a learning platform as well called Degreed. So I've got set up there a learning community on Degreed with various articles in uh, business agility, agile HR topics. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been really fantastic. So when we run the workshop, so this is the, the, last, the last bit I'll mention here, when we run the workshop and we talk about the origins of the, the original Agile Manifesto and we cover the point that they talk about individuals and interactions over processes and tools. And so people are sitting in the workshop and they generally tend to have this moment of, oh, aha, it's not an IT thing. And they see that actually the, Agile is actually about people, it's about respect, it's about culture, it's about values, it's about belonging, and we as people professionals are at the heart of making the employee experience fantastic. Excellent. Okay. And it's good to see your, your passion coming through there, because it's clearly something that's <laughs> changed, how you, changed how you work effectively. So, well, building on that, so what successes Definitely. have you seen using Agile at HSBC, you know, a couple of examples of projects you've delivered and been involved in. Yeah, sure. Now, the majority of our technology team have been working and delivering in this way for a number of years now. Yep, sure. Um, so the so, so the majority of technology team have been working and delivering in this way for a number of years now, and that's really enabled them to deliver better quality work faster, which ultimately benefits our customers. As the mindset has been embedded and, and, and taken on board across various HR teams, there's been many great examples using agile and design thinking design thinking approaches for change process reviews projects ways of working things like that so i'll give you a couple of examples from from my own team one example of a project and one example of a cyclical process so you can see just how versatile the approach can be so at the end of 2017 we were looking at we had our technology strategy and we were formulating our people strategy to go with that so the the strategy for 2020 effectively and we were looking at that and we thought, well, for our projects, why not have cross-functional project teams just like they do in agile project teams to deliver um, each initiative? And so you would have as part of that team, the HR business partner lead, you would have a HR consultant. He was kind of like a project manager. You would have the business sponsor. So in our case, somebody from ITXCO, and then you would have relevant center of excellence, so resourcing, performance and reward, um, all of the right people in the room to make the decision. So you weren't sitting there saying, oh, wouldn't it be great to do this? And oh, we just need to go and talk to that center of excellence now to see if it's okay, or let's go check with the business to see if that's okay. No, everyone's in the room who can make the decision. Now, one key learning from that was that possibly should have had an end user or um, you know, another employee as part of that project team that might be impacted by what we're delivering. Um, but, you know, that's just one of those things that, that we learn from what we're doing. So the, the, the piece that I was leading on was about talent acquisition. So a subject very close to your heart, I am sure. And the ITX go very, um, to them, talent acquisition and hiring was the most important thing that 
a line manager can do because you're bringing people into the organization to really add value to the culture and to you want people that are going to come in and, and really make a difference so that was a really important piece of work for them now i mentioned that we didn't have an end user in our project team but what we did do was we would crowdsource from across the function to have people involved in building some of these initiatives so for example when we built a technical interview toolkit we crowdsourced from across the enterprise engineer faculty because I don't know about you but I certainly can't write a technical question and no I don't know what the answer should be so we got the relevant people involved in that when we built new joiner toolkits for both individual contributors and people managers again we sought help from relevant joiners so that we're putting relevant content out there in, in our products when we were building these products we'd make a quick prototype or minimum viable product MVP which is another term you would hear in Agile, and then we'd get feedback straight away and iterate, feedback and iterate, feedback and iterate. Um, the project teams would also use tools such as Kanban and regular retrospectives as well. So the other, the other example that I would share here is um, we once used Kanban to run a cyclical process. Now, coming up to the end of year, and everybody's favorite is the annual pay review. <laughs> always great to, uh, to go through this process. Now, as an experiment, we decided to use Kanban to help us to run this process. So um, we had a workshop right at the start of the process, wrote down all of the things that we thought would happen, we're worried about and everything in a workshop, two hours, post-its on the wall, and that would form our backlog. So here's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> I don't know if you can see this. So anybody who is on video hopefully can see. Anybody on audio, you can see that I have like a makeshift Kanban here. So imagine a table with three columns. So the first column has to do. So here, this is your backlog of work. The second column is doing or work in progress. And the aim is always to minimize work in progress. And then you have done. So these are all of the things, all of the pieces of work that you've completed. Now, you would usually have a Kanban near you on your wall with post-its on, but our team are completely globally distributed. And I guess nowadays, arguably, everybody is globally distributed. So lucky for us, we had an online Kanban board that we were able to use all of the people aligned to technology. So we had global business partners, regional business partners, our performance and reward all had access to the Kanban board. So there could be no surprises, no questions. Steph, where are you with that piece of work? You don't need to ask Steph. You can just go and look on the Kanban board. Oh yes, that's where she is with that piece of work. You'd be in your meeting and you would discuss only work in progress. So there was no spiral of doom with just talking about the one person's pet project or the one thing that you had to do, but you would talk about about work in progress only and also it was very visual so no surprises everybody knew what they needed to do what part they needed to play everybody knew that um, you know where people were with a piece of work also it saves one person from being bogged down with all the actions because you can see very clearly that the work is shared evenly or one person has everything so let's share it so really you know Kanban is so versatile and, and, and can be used for many things we did hold a retrospective as well at the end, and normally you would hold retrospe retrospectives as you go along, but for this particular thing, we decided to do the retrospective at the end. The other piece is that we deliberately decided not to have somebody from the business involved in that because it was the first time we were using it and we didn't want to kind of 
uh, any dirty laundry in front of the business, so to speak. So we, um, we, we kept it to the HR team only. Finally, on this point as well, what I would say is that Agile is not just about using a methodology to run a project or dumping a lot of tools. Um, Agile is, it's a set of beliefs, it's a culture, you know, if you like, it's a philosophy. It's underpinned by frameworks and practices, but it's the mindset that's the most important. So you might have heard of Scrum. Scrum is an Agile framework, and I'm not intending to get into all of that nitty gritty, but it's just something that you might have heard of. So to put into context, Scrum is an Agile framework, and it's just one of many frameworks that can be used to manage a project in an Agile way. Um, so I just wanted to call that out. And it's really important as well to remember there's no one best way of doing it. So you could use Scrum, you could use something else, you could use Kanban as a tool, or you could use another visualization tool. Great. So really interesting examples and experiences. So how, obviously it's a big change and for many people not, not accustomed to these methodologies, it, it's, um, yeah, they've, they've got to think how they approach the business. So how, how do you sell the benefits of Agile to, to your stakeholders in the organization? You know, were there any, any barriers of moving towards the model? So that's a really great question, actually, Simon. And, you know, again, I was really super lucky because I was already partnering with technology. They were already doing it, already enthusiastic. So no selling involved for me, thankfully, for that particular thing, um, because I it had already started with them. Now, it's interesting how you say barrier, because we did have an initial barrier raised to us by somebody in the IT team who said that perhaps an agile way of working wasn't necessarily compatible with other ways of working in the organization at that time. So quite difficult to hear sometimes as a professional. Um, when we started to discuss this in, in, in our team, we did find that changing habits can be really hard. And it's really taken time for us to move away from that big bang, ta-da approach and into more of a experimental and try it kind of mindset. It's really, really, you know, really been difficult and we have adapted and we're closer than we were, but it, it's still, it does take time to move into that way of working. And um, what really helps in, in our organization is that our leadership are really focused on continuous growth and learning as are our teams. And there's a real desire to transform the way that we work to make ourselves fit for the future. A lot of focus on this at HSBC. A recent um, initiative, we've actually taken steps to enable all of us across the organization to develop for future success by introducing a bank-wide learning movement called Future Skills Development. So collaboration, creativity, curiosity, all of these things are going to be major focuses of this particular initiative. And so Agile is going to become more and more important to the way we work as we move forward as a bank. If I think about others listening today that might be curious themselves or they might be uncertain, they might think, you know, this would be great to try, but how do I convince, as you say, how do I sell the benefits to my stakeholders? I can't really think of any industry right now that hasn't been affected by recent events that doesn't need to keep pace with the, the, the speed of today's world, if we think about how just local political events can cause trouble in another country, if you think about economic events, they happen in one country, but yet that affects another country. I don't think that anybody is immune to change happening to them and international turbulence. Think about how COVID has touched every single business. 
I can't think of any company that hasn't hasn't been affected, whether positively or negatively. So there's been winners and losers, of course, as as they usually are. But if you can get some kind of mindset, agile mindset, it's it's, it's a learning mindset, it's a change mindset. You don't even have to put the title agile on it. I can't think of any leader that wouldn't want happier employees that wouldn't want faster business results that that wouldn't want to have delighted customers nobody's going to argue with that are they it's motherhoods and apple pie as i hear my stakeholders sometimes saying it's just that changing behaviors can be scary so i think that for anybody wanting to sell the benefits it's a case of think of the business case think of why you want to do it think about how it might add value to your own organization and maybe try and experiment something small just to test the approach before you then go and approach leaders because this kind of approach does mean that leaders need to change behaviors which can be quite difficult definitely good point as you say almost a, a test case really just to to begin but okay so in your in your opinion, almost taking it back a little, what, what does Agile HR look like? How do you begin to embed it in an organization? Yeah, so let's remember that, um, that Agile is about valuing people of a process. So I would start with that as the guiding principles. That's the first, that's the only thing you have to think about as a guiding principle. Because generally, you know, and generally HR, we've got a reputation of being quite process heavy, admin heavy, policing, that's just that's just how it is sadly um how about taking a look you know what i would say to people take a look at your processes or the processes that you in your gift to take a look at and what are they there to do how many steps are in there are there 20 unnecessary unnecessary steps in there that can be removed does it, do you need the process at all what what value is that process adding how does the the end user the employee how do they feel when they're going through that process is it a great process? Have you asked them how they're feeling? Have you asked how, um, you know, how necessary it is? And, you know, do they feel frustrated about it? Do they not? Maybe ask them how it can be, how it can be improved. So it's about really involving the end user in this. Design thinking can be helpful as well to that kind of process review approach. And some of our teams have been, have been doing that. So they've looked at design thinking for process reviews. It's an approach which is really complementary to Agile because it also puts the customer first. And again, the beauty of this is that there's no but one best way of doing it. So be curious, be open, experiment, try things, make mistakes and learn from them. The other thing that I say that people sometimes like, sometimes not, is that Agile focuses on ever improving better practice rather than just one best practice way of doing things. So if I think back, this thought was wonderfully uncomfortable for me in the beginning because we're so used to hearing about best practice in HR and thinking, yes, best practice, we're going to implement this, we're going to be the best. But if you believe in best practice, if you believe in one best way only of doing things, then how how can you instill a culture of learning, a learning organization? How can you believe in customer feedback and employee feedback? Because if you've got one best way of doing things and you're done, right? It's true, true. It's so true. And different companies will approach it in different ways. So we should absolutely take an outward look at what others are doing and be inspired by that. Leverage and tweak, I do it all the time, leverage and tweak and think about what other companies do, are doing why how did that make them successful did they fail did they take some risks did they empower their teams to do it and 
think about how you can do that yourself. You know, how can you really empower your team? Your team knows best how to do their job. How can you really empower them and help them to take some risks and give them that psychological safety to know that they're not going to be penalized? That's really, really important. Now, if you have an IT team and they are already working in this way or any other team working in this way, then brilliant. You've got allies and go talk to them, see what they're doing, observe the ceremonies, ask loads and loads of questions, uh, be curious, see what tools they're using, how are they interacting? And you'll soon start to see the rhythm of how they are and think, you know, could this come out into other areas. If you don't have any teams working in this way, that's also fine because there's so much information around nowadays, lots of like-minded HR professionals to connect with. I would say to look for the Agile HR community and start there. Loads of events happening. Now that everything's gone virtual, then it's easier to attend things. And uh, personally speaking, as a mom, I wasn't able to attend the things were just that was just after work sometimes because I have kids to pick up. Whereas now, Everything's virtual. I get to attend loads more events. I get to hear perspectives from lots of different companies and think about, you know, how could I take this approach myself? How could this be tweaked to, to sort my own organizational context? And also, lastly, um, an agile coach as well. So if all else fails, there's lots of agile coaches out there that can be super helpful too. Well, that's great, great advice. So how do you how do you structure it how do you structure an agile hr function as a as a team um, so i feel like i'm a broken record because i keep saying there's no one best way of doing it but let me try to think of some snippets of um of advice there isn't there is no one best way every business will have a different different drivers different operating models different imperatives different requirements they're in different industries uh, most organizations i've worked in myself have had hr structures mirroring the business if that makes any sense so that's been a principle of their design rightly or wrongly so anybody in that situation might find it difficult then to change their entire HR structure in isolation. So it would have to be part of a wider business transformation. But there are things that you could look at and, and do without having to do a wholesale, wholesale change. Think about how you can remove any silos. Do you have any silos at the moment that don't make any sense and mean that teams that should be talking to each other are not talking to each other? Could you introduce cross-functional working as mentioned before? Could you simplify, could you flatten your structures and tweak some of your processes just to make them faster for your customers, for the employees? Maybe take a look at some external examples, because again, there's so many great examples out there of different structures. And when you do this, think about, okay, so that's how that HR team is structured. How is that business structured? What industry is it in? Why have they chosen that? Because it'll, it'll help you to see why they've done it that way. Because everyone likes to lift and drop the Spotify model, but that's not really, you know, how... It, it, it's not going to work in every other company if you're not Spotify. Take a look at Spotify. You've also got ING Netherlands, River Island are a good example, Sky Learning Team, they've got a fantastic blog, um, Beyond, Zappos, Google, Netflix, so many Netflix, sorry, so, so many different, so many different companies out there that you can look to get inspiration from. Excellent. So Obviously, it's a journey. I mean, what, what mistakes are you aware that some organizations may have made in, in terms of moving towards Agile HR? 
Yeah, that's a great question, Simon. And learning is actually a key agile behaviour and it's about creating that culture of learning. So taking an experimental approach generally will mean making some mistakes and that's fine. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, we had a we had a piece of learning in the an end user could have been involved in, in our project team, for example, there's always going to be scenarios where, oh, you could have done that a bit better. And that's the whole point of doing retrospectives as well, which we can talk about. That's, it's all about learning and we need to get more comfortable with making mistakes it feels horrible when you make a mistake doesn't it it's it's, it's like that stress response in the brain like, oh i've made a mistake but we need to get comfortable with it so that we can learn because the whole point of making a mistake is okay i made that mistake why did i make that mistake how can we learn from this mm. and agile teams have the psychological safety to stand in a retrospective and say you know what that didn't work well i made a mistake or I think you made a mistake with that and just having that open debate respectfully and having that safety to do so. Now, I do spend a lot of time with, with agile coaches. So some general mistakes that you tend to hear about, some common errors, as with any change, so not just agile, as with any change, you need to be clear about why you're doing it. So not just doing it because somebody else is doing it. Why are you doing it? And what value is it going to add? Secondly, we remember that agile is a mindset and therefore it's behavior that needs to change. So as I mentioned before, it can be quite scary because for a leader, it means you need to relinquish some control. It means that you need to empower your teams and, and giving up control for some leaders can be quite scary. And for others that you know are getting comfortable with mistakes and other things, that's also quite scary. So it's behavior that needs to change and that is really difficult to do. You can't just change job titles and bringing in a lot of tools and say, woohoo, we're agile now, yay. It does require a different mindset and less command and control, less hierarchy, again, going back to the structures. And yeah, it can be, it can be really scary for people. Finally, as we said before, we can't just look at what other people are doing. So you can't just, hey, I'm going to do the Spotify model. You can't just do that. It's, it's about leveraging what others are doing, being inspired by them and tweaking it to work for your own context and culture. Thank you. So obviously for the, the, the people listening and watching, they're you know, absorbing all this information and probably thinking, right, how, how do we start? So how, yeah, how would you recommend an organization takes its first steps towards an agile HR function as such? Well, the only way to learn is to start, right? <laughs> I think that we're going to understand now that, the, the, that there's no one best way to approach it. It does depend on the size of the organization. Hopefully this has given people some, some food for thought, but it will depend on that. It will depend on the size of your HR function, the industry you're in, what the external environment is like when you're embarking on this. We'll all, we'll, we'll all impact on, on the challenge that you have ahead of you. But if this pick particular snippet of this conversation has piqued the curiosity of people, then um, I think that you can start with the mantra that I've said throughout that agile is about valuing people of a process. And as we said before, are you, is your HR department, is your company, are you valuing your people in everything you're doing? Or are there things that are hampering their productivity, hampering their, their, the culture, your behaviors? Are you embodying psychological safety are you allowing risks giving that air cover to take place it's 
it's, it's that it's really thinking about mindset. So we're, we're in HR, so we're in the people business. So thinking people are a process should be easy, <laughs> hopefully should be easy. Um, harder will be to let go of perfection, to make, you know, to make those mistakes. It is horrible in the beginning to not be perfectionist, to let go of that mentality of big bang delivery to, you know, to, not worry too much about you know the best practice you know it's, it's great to think of things like good ideas and best practices but there is no one best way of doing it take some risks make some mistakes mm -hmm. experiment take those experimental approaches think about why you're doing the experiment so what is my hypothesis for this and you might be right or wrong and that's completely fine you might find a brilliant way of, of doing something that you would never thought of before but really when you're doing that think about how you can raise the psychological safety in your team so that people feel safe that they have the air cover that they're not going to be punished for taking a risk and getting it wrong so that's the mindset change that you have to go through and then think about your ways of working finally how about using some of the tools try some of the tools so if we go back to the kanban so why don't you and your team all go into a workshop everybody write down on a post-it what it is they're working on currently and then you put put a little backlog in you might find that two people are working on something really similar and they didn't realize and now they can join up and not duplicate effort you mm. might look at the backlog and think you know what this is not a priority chuck it out let's work on something else it can help you really prioritize and to get into that rhythm of prioritization and being quite strict with yourself in terms of not taking on every single item of work that your business is asking for because you know you can't it's completely impossible um, some things might be a higher priority than others and then you can all celebrate when you move the card from doing into done and the neuroscience behind that is that when you move that card along from doing to done there's dopamine releases in the brain. So great neuroscience, it's science backed. So why not try it? <laughs> and the other thing that you could do, the other thing that you could try is a retrospective. So as we mentioned earlier in the call, you could yeah. try doing retrospective. Now, agile teams do retrospectives at the end of every sprint. You don't have to do it that way. You could just do a retro right now on how you are as a team. You could do a retro on what your response to COVID has been. You can do a retro on, as a, you know, how have you dealt with 2020 so far? So a retrospective is everybody is open. And I would just look up, I would look up on Google two things. One, the prime directive, because that is a statement where you're giving the psychological safety in terms of it doesn't matter what we uncover, but everybody has done their best. And we truly believe everybody has done their best. So there's no finger pointing. There's no, oh, that person's done something terrible. It's literally you all agree in the beginning that you're going to uncover some things and you're going to learn from them. So look that up and then look up how to do a retrospective. And you could have headings such as good, bad, keep change. Just as simple as that. What was good about what you're retroing? What was bad about it? what you're going to keep going forward and what you're going to change. And it's just great to have that team discussion. It helps to have somebody facilitating that as well. Um, it's completely, completely our shout. So you could facilitate as a team or just get one person to, to own that. That's, that's, that's fine. Now, remember that, um, think about how you can use the end use as well. So not necessarily in your retro, but any of your processes, any of your initiatives, how can you get that person involved? And then as mentioned, the only way to learn is to start. So have some fun, have some fun with the learning that will, that will come with this. We're trying a different way of working. If you're doing this with a team, then it's great because you can all have a laugh about, oh, I made that mistake or, um, you know, 
can you believe what that person said and it's it's yeah it's, it is really fun when you start but it's the it's that bit about getting uncomfortable and unlearning but start just start now that's superb brilliant I'm, i mean i'm already excited and, and you know i don't know that i'll get the chance <laughs> to do this it's fantastic but for for people listening i'm hoping they've you know it's like a mini masterclass, isn't it and a nice overview and then a good platform to to get things going so thank you so much steph it's lovely that you've made time for us and uh, we're happy to share you know some of the basics of your experience and um yeah i'm assuming are you okay for people to reach out to you on on linkedin is that the best way as, as they start sort of trying some of this out if yeah, they're looking course. for advice and i know you do quite yeah, a lot of yeah, this sure. don't you, you always you, happy Great. I'm sure I've seen you doing a few public speaking events, as you mentioned, so um, they can obviously uh, follow you and see what else you've got to, uh, to build on this basics here. But thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. It's been great to catch up with you. And um, well, I'm sure we'll find time to do another one of these one day, but have a great week. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Simon. Bye.